This old-time radio program was originally aired live, long before the advent of high fidelity. As a result, you may detect an occasional surface noise or volume drop due to transmission problems so common to old radio. Pardon me, would you have any gray poupon? I want my MTV. Hey, where's the beat? Does Barry Manilow know that you raided his wardrobe? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Oh, Norley! Are you telling me you built a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? But it's only authentic if it says members only right here. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Living in the 80s. Uh, I'm here on the beach this week with my good friend John McNeil. And we are going to be talking about our favorite songs our favorite summertime songs of the 80s and what it is we put it out to a vote on our living in the 80s uh, Facebook page and let you guys vote on your favorite summertime songs so we're gonna unpack that later on but right now um, John how are you doing I'm doing well thank you very much for having me oh you know it's my pleasure John it, me and John have been friends for about 35 years uh, we uh, spent a lot of time together in the 80s. Uh, it was 1985 when I met John. We went to the same church together. And we run around a lot. A lot of times, you know, spin in each other's cars, listen to music and stuff. And and uh, so, what do you think, John? Um, very fond memories of those times. Of course, when we ride around in cars, anytime we took mine, I did, you know... Insist on gas money, if of course. You recall, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, well, you know what? It's a good racket because a lot of times we did take his car, and there could be four or five of us piled up in the car. That's right. And it's like, and he had that purple duster. Uh, that was the second one I had. The first yeah, you had one the Chevette a, at first, didn't the, you? The silver. It was a silver duster that I had. Okay. The Chevette came after the dusters. Just all the the time, just kind of morphs together these days it certainly does but yeah you're probably four or five guys and most of those guys didn't have cars so you know they tried to get everywhere for free but john sniffed them out so (laughs) but uh yeah so it was it was good we had a lot of good times uh you know not only did we go to church together and hang out together but like this guy has been uh we've been friends for a lot of years yeah and you know over the over time you kind of lose track of people. I've never lost track of John. Like he's always been like one constant over the years. Like we may go a few months without seeing each other, yeah. But uh, we just always catch up really quick. And in in our case, like we text each other all all the time. Like he'll send me something funny. I'll send him something back funny. And and uh, it's, a couple weeks ago, we Matt Taylor was on the show. We're talking about '80s country music. So Matt and John and I and our friend Tim Tabor, like we just got this constant chain of just stupid, funny things we'll send each other all the time. And they always come at weird times to me. Like I'll be at work and with a customer and, and I can't like ignore my phone. I always pick up and look at it. And sometimes I just have to laugh. Yeah, I, well, I get up in the morning and I'll, first thing I do is I'll look at the phone and, uh, I would have gotten a text from one of you guys. I've already been in bed 
by the time that text came through for an hour or two, and I was thinking to myself, these guys, how old are these guys? My gosh, I, I got to be in bed by a certain time or I just can't. So we're sending texts all hours sometimes. That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting old fast, John. Yes, I am. You're just, you're becoming JR. I'm, well. JR's his dad. Yeah. And so uh, that's just so. funny. He not only looks like him, but he also has apparently his six o'clock sleeping <laughs> habits. So it's good stuff. Oh, so yeah, right after I get home from the Golden Corral, I I'm going to the <laughs> I'm going to bed. So. so how have you made it during this pandemic with Golden Corral closed? <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> oh, so as we typically do around here, um, our opening segment is going to be um, back in time. So what it is, we take a year and we go back in time. We talk about what was going on back then and that, that's what we're going to do. So right now we're going to go back in time. So if you've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, each week we go back in time. We take a different week. And we've gone from 1980, 81, 82, all the way up to this week, it's 1989. So, John, what were you doing about this time in 1989? Oh, my gosh. Uh, 1989, I was um, working for Sears, uh, East Mall. What were you doing? Uh, Sales department, home entertainment, computers, uh, well... Computers, I guess what, you know, use floppy disks back Apple then. Apple II action, yeah. maybe. Uh, they still use floppy disks back then. Uh, console, TVs, nice. that kind of stuff. Oh, and the big handheld video cameras. Oh, yeah, that would, like, throw your back out if you exactly. twisted wrong. Exactly. Nice. I was working uh, for Tombs Truck and Equipment at that time. I worked in the parts <clears throat> department. So, that was... Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Was, no, it uh, wasn't. I hated that job. Wasn't that the time, 89? Or maybe that was auto body when you and I worked for... What year was that? Uh, I worked there from 85 to 89. It was right about this time of year. I started working at Tombs. Um, probably, I guess, 87, 88-ish. Was it? Okay. I'm guessing. Yeah, the place was just called Auto Body. Auto Body Supply. Auto yeah. Body Supply. It's a fun place to work. Yes, it was. Yes, lots of shenanigans happened. Yes, <laughs> it was. They could have made a sitcom about that that uh, that place. So it's funny stuff. All right, so in the world, uh, we had some things going on. So 1980s. Uh, well, shoot, I got the wrong year here. I about told you stuff about '86, 1989. John, do you know who the Super Bowl champions were that year? 1989. No, but I'm going to take a guess and say the Cowboys. No, the San Francisco 49ers. My guys. So, Joe Montana was the Super Bowl MVP. Okay. You know, I've never taken this slant before, but I thought, you know what, this week I want to do it. I'm, I'm missing football. I want football to happen now. So I'm sorry about college football. The pros didn't do much for me. Well, who was the uh, who was the uh, college football national champion that year? Do you remember? Uh, again, this is going to be uh, just a guess. Back in that time, big powerhouses, Nebraska. 
No. Um, 89. Oh! Miami. You got it, man. I figured you'd come up with it. <laughs> so, yeah, they were they were the national champs. So, okay, let's switch over to basketball. Who was, who was the... Uh, Who's the NBA champs that year? Oh, NBA. Yeah. 89. I mean. It's not who you're thinking. Okay. Okay. It's not who I was thinking. Uh, Celtics. No. The Lakers. Detroit Pistons. Pistons. Yeah. They must have beat the Celtics. They beat the Lakers. Okay. Yep. Um, the NCAA national champions in basketball was. 89. Uh, again. Villanova? No. Who's the team you would hate the most to see them win anything? Uh, Kentucky. Duke. Michigan. Michigan, yes. yes. They um, they were the national champs, unfortunately. Very good. And baseball. Who won the World Series that year? 80, and again, 89. Yeah. 89. I think Bash Brothers. Lots of home runs and steroids. Oh, um... Is it the Giants? No. They they the Giants lost the World Series. They were swept by these guys that year. Somebody knew who that is. I just can't think of the team. Yeah, it was the Oakland Days. Jose oh, okay. Canseco, Mark McGuire. Yeah. Those guys were uh they were quite a team. Quite juiced, but that's that's that was what they <laughs> were. Um so that that that's what was going on in sports that year. Uh, now we're going to shift gears over to. Okay, first of all, remember, remember that earthquake in '89 happened during the World, the World Series? Series. Yeah. So I get this vision because it was towards the end of his career. But I remember Joe Morgan playing for the Giants then, and he just kind of looked stunned. Wow, he was still playing at that time. Yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken, maybe he's a coach then, but I just remember him <laughs> being there. And what the heck? So I have to check that fact. Check that, but. Yeah, that's uh, those are memories I had back then. Yeah, I remember them all. Families of the players coming out of the field, mm-hmm. and I remember watching that, thinking if I was in the stands, I'd be getting on that field. Yeah, as well. Yeah, because everything's Why? crumbling around you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was nuts. So we're going to shift gears here over to more of the popular culture of the time. First of all, we're going to start off with the top three TV shows this week in 1989. So, I'm going to name these shows, and you tell me your thoughts on them. Um, over the course of like the latter part of the '80s, this the number three show here was number one for a lot of the time, but um, it was the Cosby Show. So, me and Matt always refer to Bill Cosby as Pudding Pop. <laughs> ah, yes. So, so what are your yeah. thoughts of the Cosby Show? You know, it was uh, one of those TV shows that the family could watch and enjoy. Uh, I remember watching it, mm-hmm. but I honestly, I think about it now, and I, I don't know if I could tell you about one episode, one plot. Mm-hmm. I could tell you, you know, characters, but, you know, it was good back then. I just don't remember much about it anymore. Yeah, I remember I remember an episode where they found out Theo was dyslexic. You know what? Thank you. And, I do remember and that. And I remember there was one episode where they were lip-syncing to a jazz song. They did that. that so was that was a kind of fun. gag they always did. And now that you say that, another one where uh, they go in to get Theo a car. I don't remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the dad, Bill, 
did not want them to know he was a doctor because if you remember he was a oh yeah doctor. yeah because they didn't want to know how much money he made because they exactly. tried to take him for a ride and yeah. someone sees him that knows him and <laughs> nice yes and calls him doctor and then yeah oh. other than that I don't, I don't remember much about it but it was a good show yeah uh, number two was probably my favorite '80s show was Cheers. Yeah. And so, did you watch it much? Uh, I did absolutely okay. watch Cheers. Yeah. Um, I mean, even even today, you go into, I mean, it's more famous than the line walking into a bar and everyone saying Norm exactly, <laughs> or any place you go. Yeah. Like I've been called Norm a lot. That's right. So I'll wear it. <laughs> so yeah that was a great show ran for several years lots of people loved it I know I did and the number one show this week in 1989 was Roseanne so I never really cared for this show Not, neither did I she always annoyed me uh, She and that's what it was is I yeah. just didn't like her yeah when when she did that thing with the national anthem oh that was the that worst was, that yeah. was again John served in our military so those guys, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but those guys sort of take that a little more seriously oh, yeah. than a lot of us do. Even though, like, I, I do take it very seriously. It's a very reverent, you know, time honoring our country and those that we've lost. But um, it's, uh, what are your thoughts when she did that? Like, what did you? I was, it was uh, very disrespectful. Mm-hmm. You know, she thought she was probably being funny. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was trying to sing and it just can't sing. But uh, first of all, I don't even know why they would even ask her. Yeah, why would she be like who? Why would that? Who be in the choice? in the PR department who chooses national anthem singers go? To be, Let's get that Roseanne Barr. Yes, I bet you she's an awesome singer. Yeah, was Whitney Houston not available? <laughs> <laughs> Where was? Yeah, exactly. Where was Whitney? Terrible. All right, which brings us to um, we'll shift out of TV and go over to movies. The, I mean, you only if you're gonna just cover the top three. I mean, in the that year, you missed one of my favorite. What's that? It was Night Court. Night Court, yeah. Used yeah. to come on after uh, that was after Family Ties. Yeah. yeah, Night Court was my favorite show during that time of year. I love Night Court. Yes, I I remember Harry Anderson. Yep. And Bull. I don't remember Bull's real name, but but um, uh, I do. It uh, it's. <laughs> I remember it. Um, it's uh, I was about to uh, say it. Uh, is it is it Richard something? Yes, Richard. His last name starts with an M, I think. Of course, I'm I'm looking on here. See, so you don't tune into this podcast for the for our um, expertise our on anything, right. but you you do come and hear our opinion and hear us stumbling through through whatever it is. Maybe it was Richard Mole. I did say it started with an M. You did. did so yeah. you were ninety percent there, man. Yeah, absolutely. So good job. Night Excellent course. work, John. Thank you. Excellent work. <laughs> um, all right. Now over to movies. Uh, the number three movie this week in nineteen eighty nine was one of my favorite sports movies, and I think we'll have to do a podcast sometime on sports movies. But um, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. So. That's this, one of those movies that anytime the TV got the TV on, you're flipping through channels mm-hmm. and they're replaying it on TBS or whatever it is. I gotta watch it. Oh yeah, me too. It's 
Uh, if if you lived on, lived under a rock, um, Kevin Costner plays a farmer, and he hears this voice whispering to him through the corn maze or the cornfield. Says, "If you build it, they will come." <laughs> and he didn't know what was going on, so eventually he figured out he needed to clear away all this corn or a lot of it and create a baseball, a field. baseball field. And then these ghosts come from the corn and they and they play a game. And uh, his dad is one of those. His dad had been a minor league ball player who never really got a chance at the majors. So you get like Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and Lou Gehrig and some of these other guys and then his dad's there. So at one point him and his dad are playing catch. So that was a uh, Hey dad, you want to have a catch? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, that was a that was a good movie, very good movie. And and again, like you, whenever that thing's on, I, I gotta watch. It. I gotta watch it every time. Number two movie this week in nineteen eighty nine was Hear No Evil, See No Evil. So, John, what do you uh, what do you remember about this movie? Uh, listen, I remember the team of you know Richard Pryor and um, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm several movies that one i did not remember until i looked it up okay and uh once i saw it i do remember it it's one of those that i'm probably going to have to go back and watch again oh yeah because anytime i think of you know those two together it's either uh, stir crazy Mm -hmm. or uh silver streak yes stir crazy is the the movie they did together that i remember the most yes and, but uh, I forgot all about this one. Yeah, so that was a that was a that was a really excellent movie. Um, Did you remember Silver Streak? Uh, were were they like convicts that were trying to get off a train or something? I, can't I don't remember. know that they were convicts. They were on a train where a murder had happened, and the train itself was called the Silver Streak. Okay. And the only reason I remember that movie uh, was because, do you remember before Cable, they had Cube? Oh, yes. I remember Cube. You had the Cube box that sat in your house, and you had letters and numbers, and you, you know, uh, the premium channel on there where you got movies. Mm -hmm. That was the first movie, and because I remember mom and dad paying the money, going to that setting, turning the key on the back to get the premium channels. Mm-hmm. And Silver Streak was the first one that I saw on that. So, so my mom and dad always had the key hidden. I'm sure it was, my, it was in my dad's dresser drawer, but we all had too much fear mm. knowing it would show up on the bill. So we had one of these big, huge, fat refrigerator magnets. magnets. I think my brother Chuck got it from someplace. And yeah. we'd pop that thing and upside down and watch everything you know, for free. Yeah. So <laughs> eventually they figured out what was going on and... And they changed the boxes up so you couldn't yeah. do it. But for a while, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the number one movie uh, this week in 1989 was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, the first one with uh, When You Met His Father. Yeah. Right? Sean, Sean Connery. Connery. Yes. Whenever you say Sean Connery, you have to say, you it, gotta like, say it that you way. you got to say it that way. Like that little Irish thing going on. So, yeah, that, like we talked about this a few weeks ago. We were talking about the action movies. All these Indiana Jones movies I thought were great. Um, great edgier seed, adventure type things. Um, to me, it, it's kind of hard because not one... I mean, certain things in all of them kind of, you know, um, 
stick out a little bit, but they kind of seem like one big long movie together to me. Did but the one that I think they could have done without was the one with Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. We don't count those. Okay. We just count the original well, I mean, three and the other one. I mean, Harrison Ford was in that one. It he was, was Indiana Jones, but it was it was horrible. Yeah, and because it had Shia LaBeouf. In it. Yeah, that was yeah that was not good. It was like the uh, Rocky with Tommy Morrison. Oh yeah. yeah, same thing. It yeah. just ruined it. So yes, that's it's crazy. But you know, it's funny because, like, again, when I'm like going through the channels, I, it was Rocky Six that had Tommy Morrison in it. I don't remember which one. Rocky Five, Six, who knows? But that that scene where him and him and Rocky are fighting in the street, like, I'll stop and watch that because <laughs> that was good. Yeah. So. Uh. Okay, so yeah, that's it for TV and movies and sports for 1989. So now we're going on to my favorite part, the music. Music. The music of 1989. So uh, right now we'll go to that, and this is this was the number three song this week in Three song this week in 1989 was Rock On by Michael Damien of Young and the Restless fame. That I did not know. Yeah, he was a soap opera star and and he actually sung this song on the show and it was a huge hit. And um, so you were talking about it was in a movie, right? Uh, Dream a Little Dream. All right. With, Talk to us uh, about your memory of that movie. <laughs> I remember liking the movie. It had both of the uh, Corey, Corey's in them, Corey Heim and Corey Feldman, right? Right. And uh, Jason... Robards. Jason Robards. Yep. Um, and then the cute girl. Yes. Yeah, forget it. I looked up her name earlier and I cannot remember. Yeah. But she was cute. That is correct. And he showed me a picture and she still looks cute. Yeah. So, But Corey Feldman played... Uh, a younger version, I think, of Jason Robards' character, or he mm-hmm. might have been, or Jason Robards was transferred into his body somehow yeah. through, I so, don't remember. So, but. yeah, with Corey Feldman just being like this snot-nosed punk, not knowing how to treat a woman, Jason Robards is this older guy, like some, for yes. some kind of magical movie magic, ends up, you know, inside his body. And he's a complete gentleman. That's correct. And really wins over the cute girl. And he learns a lesson along the way. This yep. is how you treat women. Don't be such a schmuck. Which he should have listened to because Corey Feldman is one of the biggest goof-ups in Hollywood history. Yeah. Have you seen like any of his music videos or anything like that? No. Oh, it's ridiculous. So Corey Haim, of course, lost his life. Uh, I think he battled drug addiction and things yeah. for several years. So he's been gone a few years now, but... I, I kind of remember that movie. Yeah, it, um, I don't think it got it. You know, I don't think it was as well known as as you thought it would be. It was be. no Goonies. 
No. There was no Lost Boys. It no, wasn't no, no, those no. two did that one together, but That's right. They didn't do Goonies together, so all you fact checkers out there, I know Corey Feldman was in Goonies, Corey Haim was not. But they, they, they were in Lost Boys together, which is one of my favorite uh, scary That's right. I used air quotes movies. But um, so this song, Rock On, is a remake originally done by David Essex. And honestly, when this song came out, I tried to hate it. Just because, you know, being a purist, hearing this this rock anthem that's very famous being redone by a soap opera star. He didn't do too bad. No. So, yeah, I don't think I would have admitted it at the time. But, you know, all these years later, I think I can say that this is not a bad cover tune. So, so Yeah, I wasn't aware of the soap opera. Yeah. Uh, which, makes it, which makes it a little wimpier of a song. Anything yeah, well, about him doing it? You know, it, he's kind it of the pretty boy. Soap opera stars actually uh, turned out some couple good songs. Yeah, Rick Springfield, Jesse's Girl. Yes, that's right. So Jack Anderson did uh, oh, All I Need. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> some soap stars know how to sing. <laughs> that's right. So yeah, <laughs> so Michael Damien was number three with Rock On, and now here's the number two song. Number two song, Real Love by Jody Watley, who is also uh, Matt Moore's secret celebrity crush. Yes. So Matt and Jody go back a long way. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Matt's... Posters, li- posters on his wall. Yeah. Right next to the uh, Mary Lou Retton. <laughs> Mary Lou Retton and... Poster. That's he did like Mary Lou Retton, did, didn't did. he? He loved her. Oh my gosh. So He was obsessed. And I think he's also obsessed... With um, with the Golden Girls as well, <laughs> he wanted some B. Arthur. He was a B. Arthur. <laughs> he was uh, a Mark. Like he, he loved her. He, he was a Rue McCallaghan fan, I believe. <laughs> I think he, I think he's more of an Estelle Gettys fan. Wasn't he? <laughs> oh my oh, gosh, Matt. So uh, yeah, Jody Watley, um, formerly of Shalimar, very successful solo career, and this is one of her songs. I was never really big on Jody Watley, no. which really surprised Matt when we had our show together. Uh, I think he, he thought everyone should be a Jody Watley fan. Which here's a funny thing: Matt listens to the podcast every week, and he's probably going to comment on this. So for one thing, we're going to have to get the three of us together to do a podcast oh, dude, at I some would, point. That'll I be a lot of fun. Love that. We'll have to do that. But uh, so in honor of Matt Moore, uh, Jody Watley, number two with real love. And that means there's only one left, the number one song this week in 1989. That was the number one song this week, 1989, Forever Your Girl by Paula Abdul who was pretty much everywhere, like 88, 89, 90. She was, she was all over the place. She, she was a former Laker. She was a Laker girl. That's right. Yeah, and she had a great career. She was cute, really cute. And I, it's funny because seeing her years later when she was doing like the American Idol American thing, Idol. 
she it's I don't know if she was just a lush, but she seemed like she didn't really know what she was talking no. about half the time. No, I don't think and, she did. And uh, yeah, she's always the first one to stand up and give the singers a standing ovation. Yeah. Or Simon would just sit there and just ugh. The the American <laughs> Idol Paula Abdul kind of ruined the 1989 Paula. It Abdul did for me. It did. It, yeah. Well, we know that she was not forever his girl. So what's really cool is we're we're here and Amy, John's girlfriend's over there working onto the side, and she's like, "Yeah, Emilio and Paula Abdul were married from 1992 to 1994." So thanks, Amy, for the save. So we don't look like total buffoons. That's right. That is good stuff. <laughs> so, but he was temporarily her girl. Yeah, that's right. He was. She was his girl. Yeah. I think I think I'll keep you around. Amy. That's a good move. You yeah. know, it, she went and got us pizza. She went over to Planks and picked us up some pizza, <laughs> which is absolutely delicious. So, um, Amy, Amy's pretty, pretty good. She's awesome. So, you know, because John and I are big fans of music, um, we we really wanted to go back into the charts a little deeper than the top three. And these are some songs I was listening to back then. Um, from this week in 1989. The number 35 song was Coming Home by Cinderella. So that, uh, I saw them in concert with Bon Jovi in 87 and uh, put on a heck of a show. But but this this song was a really good one. Was the, uh, if I remember correctly, is that an outdoor concert, the Bon Jovi? Yes. It was, was a that Legend the Valley. The, you got so sunburned. You remember that? Yes, I do. Yes. Oh my gosh. So you were almost blistered. I, I was blistered. Yeah. I I missed work for like two days after that concert because <laughs> I'm out there. You know, it's the '80s. So I got my muscle shirt on and I'm out there all day long. No sunscreen, no nothing. It's like 90 plus degrees, just pounding water all day long. And um, we left the concert as Kim and I had had gone. Uh, that's my ex-wife. So we were dating at the time. And we left the concert after that. Went to Cardo's, you know, hungry, wanted to get some pizza. Yeah. And she put an ice cube on my shoulder, and it melted. Yeah. So, man, that's funny you remember I that. I do. I remember wow. you standing in Cardo's looking like that. Yeah. Oh, you were yeah. probably there when we got there. Wow. Who yeah. knows? Probably, like, <laughs> Cardo's was where we always were. Yep. So, uh, which, which, speaking of which, I need, I need to do a shout-out to my friend Jerry Andrews who uh, used to work at Cardo's. His brother used to own the place. And Jerry uh, Jerry and I do another uh, Facebook page called Video Killed the Radio Star. So if you want to get into stuff that's not just 80s, you know, 60s, 70s, 50s, all pop culture, stuff like that, go to that. Uh, if you can't remember what it, you know, anything about it, hit me up and I'll direct you there. But we're administrators on that page. And, and Jerry started that thing probably three or four years ago. So me and him and our friend Gina... Uh, we administrate that one, and Jerry started it, and it's it's a lot of fun. So I know he he uh, he stumbled across the the podcast, and he's been checking it out. So shout out to him and Cardos and good times. So all right, uh, number sixty three, uh, Angel Eyes by Jeff Healy Band. So Jeff Healy, uh, blind you know, uh, yes. guitar player, very very good musician back in the day. This is a, a slower song by him. He's usually doing more of a blues, rocky kind of thing. So if you've seen Roadhouse, the guy was behind the chicken wire. That was Jeff Healy. 
And uh, this song was always one of my favorites back then. Um, you know, I remembered him, but if you play the song for me, I would probably go, oh, yes, I remember that. I, I went through the list of the songs from the 80s and went through and gone, and I, I, it's been a while. I haven't heard a lot of these songs for a long time. Look at the title. I played them before you got here, and I went, oh, <laughs> there we I go. know that one, but that one I, I could not remember. So that, I do remember that is, uh, we were talking earlier about this. So, John, I am always living in the 80s. So these songs are like, are. I've never stopped listening to this No, stuff. you did so, not. So that, I've probably listened to this in the last few weeks or so, I'm guessing. But, uh, yeah, that, that is, a, that is a, a really good song. And then the last song I wanted to bring up here was the number 93 song this week, which was actually um, the flip side of uh, one of the singles. But it's All I Want Is You by U2. So remember the U2 concert, John? Yes, in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, 90... Nin- 1987. Was it 87? Yeah, it was the fall of 87. I, I keep thinking it was after I came out of the yep. Army, but it must not have been. Yes, in Cleveland, um, the Joshua Tree yep. tour. And it was, a, it was a great time. Opened and, up by Los Lobos and Little Steven, right? Little Steven and the Disciples of Soul. Yep. Remember when uh, the plane went overhead we were yelling, Richie? Every time a plane would fly over the stadium, <laughs> we'd stand up and point at it point at it, and yell, Richie! So if you guys have no idea what we're talking about, um, the the movie... Um, La Bamba. La Bamba. I don't, thank you. It just escaped me for a second. The Life of Richie Valens. And, uh, of course, Richie Valens dies in a plane crash. Spoiler alert. And... Uh, <laughs> And when during that time, his brother um, yells Richie, uh, like just like that. So whenever a plane would go by, we would yell that. And I think the people around us were probably getting kind of tired of it because there's, it's not you know the old Cleveland Stadium. It wasn't too far from the airport, <laughs> so lots yeah. of planes drove by, and uh, or flew the, by. They didn't really drive. That's right. The uh, concert, uh, Bono had his arm in a sling. Yeah, he had fallen off a tower of speakers. Uh, wet, wet. It was because it was wet, I believe, and he slipped and fell and what, separated his shoulder. Something like that. Yeah, he had the sling on. He did. Which is funny because you can go back and look at some of the the tour videos and footage from that time, and there's a few shows where he's wearing that sling. So that was a uh, that was crazy. He could have got hurt a lot worse, but all in the name of rock and roll, right? That's right. So John, is there any any other songs from this week that uh, stick out to you? Uh, one and it was uh, 31 on the charts during that time, and that was Living Colors Cult of Personality. Oh, that's a great song off of uh, their uh, album Vivid. Yeah, I remember that. That was and a great song. That was also, in my opinion, a, I thought it was a great album. Uh, songs like uh, Broken Hearts, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember off the top of my head. That one song I specifically remember, it was a good song. And of course, called to personality. So, yeah, I remember they were one of my favorite. Yeah, I remember the the lead was it Corey Glover was the lead Corey singer. Corey Glover. He always wore them bicycle shorts. <laughs> always. And was it Vernon? Who's the guitar player's name? Vernon something or other. Uh, the drummer, their drummer and bass player. The bassist was excellent. Uh, the bassist was uh, Doug Wimbish. Mm-hmm. And the uh, 
Yeah, he is still well Will, respected. Will Calhoun. Look at you, man. You're a fact checker. Yeah. But nice. guitar player, I cannot remember, but they were some underrated, I think, at that time musicians. I don't think they got because they were Yeah. They were good. The, yeah, they they were very good. And during that whole hairband era, they um they really stuck out. Even though they weren't like a traditional hair band, like a lot of bands in that era, rock bands were kind of kind of lumped into that that whole thing. But yeah, they were they were a good band. Uh, that that album was very good, and, uh, vivid. So good stuff. Anything else on there that sticks out? Um, I mean, come on, everyone can admit they probably like some of the songs. But number eight was uh, Bobby Brown's "Every Little Step." Yeah, no, I didn't like that. Uh, no, you wouldn't. But <laughs> you know, after his you know split from New Edition. They were better with him, and he was better with them. That's all I gotta say. They should have. Oh, they should have stayed intact. Now his his one his first solo album wasn't that bad, um, but that that one song there just never really did it for me. Every little step. Yeah. yeah. My prerogative. That wasn't a bad song. Oh, that's right. That was the other song. Yeah. I just remember remember the videos. Yeah. I was able. He had that Gumby haircut. Yes, exactly. Which and, you, and, and a lot of the songs I related them to their their videos. I mean, oh yeah, I, I remember the videos our brains. as much as I did the songs, and that's when MTV used to play videos. And yeah, so. back in the the good old days. That's right. So uh, I remember uh, if you guys get a chance, there's a you know a biopic um, on New Kids on the Block. So um, you know younger actors playing the our new kids. Or not New Kids in the Block, New Edition. Yeah, the, the New Kids in the Block were the white kids that tried to sound like <laughs> right. New Edition. But uh, yeah, the New Edition guys. Um, it was very well done. You can find it on Amazon Prime. But one of the things that that stuck out to me was when Bobby Brown went solo, and the hairdresser actually messed up his hair, and that's why I had that Gumby thing going on. Yeah, and. Sense. And he was mad about it. And he fired the hairdresser, but there's nothing he could do. Like they didn't want to put a wig on him because it would look ridiculous. So he went out like that and created a trend. So tons of kids are getting like the Bobby Brown Gumby haircut. So wow, that happened on accident yeah. because of a jacked up haircut, I which it looks like a that. jacked up haircut to me. Yeah. So it was. Right. Anything else from that year? Um, one other one, and going through that list that I I was a big fan of John. Back then, it was John Cougar. Yes. Mellencamp. He only goes by John Mellencamp now, but uh, do you remember Pop Singer? Yeah, I almost put that on here. Yeah. As one of mine, yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, kind of a tongue-in-cheek I, I uh, yeah. song. And the, if you remember the video, mm-hmm. he uh, pale face. Yep. He had a white makeup, and uh, I, I enjoyed the video, again, as much as I did the song. It was one of those I never forgot because of that video. Yeah. So it, just like so many different things of that of that era, like the videos stick with us. Oh yeah. Like you know, we can go on and on about that. And uh, later this summer, MTV is going to celebrate their 39th birthday, and I'll do an episode on on MTV. But uh, yeah, the videos were really made the song, and the song made the video. Yeah. So good stuff. All right. So that wraps up 1989. So we're going to now shift gears right after this commercial break and talk about our favorite summertime songs of the 80s. 
is the taste. This is the test. Pepsi versus Coke. The Pepsi Challenge. Pepsi. And all across America, more people pick Pepsi. Pepsi. Time Pepsi. after time after time. Pepsi Cola. Oh, what a time. It's gonna be Pepsi now. The winning taste is Pepsi. It's gonna be, gonna be, gonna be Pepsi now. Taste So now we're up to our main event talking about uh, our favorite 80s summertime songs. Now, I think there may have been a little bit of a misconception on this. I think people were like just putting songs with summer in the title or something. Uh, when I was going through this, and you know, I'll share my own you know, list that was excluded off the main list uh, when we get done, but... Uh, we're thinking about you know songs that remind them of summertime. Like when you hear this song, like oh, this is out in the summer of '84, '85, or whatever. So, which is which is cool because most of these songs just fit perfectly with the summertime theme. And like last week, we did you know yacht rock, and so this is a different type of summertime things. These people, these there are no yacht rock songs on this one. <laughs> so we're gonna go through this list here. So in the '80s. To me, I mean, I think everyone's kind of biased toward their own generation or their own decade they grew up in. But to me, the 80s were the absolute best time to be a teenager. Um, think about, like, just being able to, you know, watch MTV during the day, go to the, go to the arcade at night, uh, cruise up and down the street with your friends. You could always go to Zantigo and eat some some Cholitos, things that you just can't do these days. That's right. Life was so much more simpler back then, right? <laughs> it was the, yeah, it was of course, a, our parents said the same thing. Life was so much simpler back oh, then. Oh, back in the 50s, right, right. that was a time to grow up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I know for me personally, like I have such a fondness of that decade just because, again, it's when I grew up. And, you know, uh, We talked about this um, a couple weeks ago. Like in 1980... In January of 1980, I was in the eighth grade. In December of 1989, when the decade ended, I was married, had a child, a full-time job, and a home. It's like, that's a lot of stuff to happen in, in that transitional time. So along with that, and because even still today, there's always music playing. Like if I'm working, there's music in the background. If I'm in the car, there's music everywhere I go and again we tend to gravitate toward the era we grew up in so hopefully some of these songs will conjure up some memories for you to maybe crank crank them up of course when the podcast is over but um, these are the songs voted by the people on our Facebook page as you know their favorite summertime songs and most of these on here it, actually you guys did a really good job I think it's the number one song is the one that's more of the head scratcher. It's a great song, but yeah. you know we'll talk about that when we get to it. So uh, we'll start from the bottom of the list. You know, all of these songs got some votes, and um, the first one, uh, "Little Red Corvette" by Prince. So I remember this song, summer of 1983, and there there were these two girls that I hung out with back then, Lisa and Ginger. Now, I never dated either one of these two. Like, Lisa, I knew since we were children. 
and Ginger was a friend of Lisa's. And uh, I remember hanging out with them, my friend David, and and like for this one summer, like we just kind of hung out a lot. Never dated, nothing like that, but we just found ourselves hanging out with these girls and just going all over the place. But whenever Lisa drove, the 1999 cassette played on repeat over and over and over <laughs> again. So I really got a, a good appreciation for Prince. Like, it was driving me nuts after a while because we complained, like, do you have anything not Prince in your car? No. So that's kind of how that worked out. Hey. But but it's it's funny. It helped carve memories that to this day, yeah. Little Red Corvette comes on. I'm in the backseat of Lisa's car with David complaining about the song. But that song's magical. Like, that is a great song. Yeah, it was. Prince was, Prince was a... I don't. I don't think I appreciated him as much back then mm-hmm. as I did later on, uh, but um, because he was an amazing musician, right. guitar player, top five guitar players for me. Okay, I listened to him play, but I, I appreciated him more later on. I liked him back then. I just appreciated him more later on in yeah. life. You know, I did too. Uh, back then, it's like you know we didn't have all of the ability of of knowledge like we do now. Right. Like so back then we're hearing a Prince song like, oh that's kinda good and catchy. We're not knowing that like he's writing all these songs and a lot of times he's playing multiple instruments on his albums and how he produced so many people and wrote so many songs and was such a force. But as time gets on and more and more information comes out, we find more and more about him and like what a what a great musician he, oh, was, he was and how awesome uh, his body of work was. Yeah. It's almost unparalleled uh, in the music industry because like, he did things on his own terms. When the record company fought back against him, he dropped his, his own birth name. <laughs> became right. a symbol. Yeah. So, yeah, Little Red Corvette, great song. Um, when when the, the first, the very beginning of that song comes on, I think Summertime. Yep. So good job, uh, Tracy Perkins. Uh, graduated with her. She she's actually the one that suggested that one. So that's another good one. The next one, um, Paula Weilbacher. Well, it's Paula Caldwell, but Paula Weilbacher, right? New to me. I used to work with her, and uh, she suggested "Suddenly Last Summer" by the Motels, which again, from the beginning of the song, you feel like. This is a this is a summertime song and it sounds hauntingly 80s. And the Motels were a good band. Um they had, you know, a string of hits there, but this is maybe my favorite one of theirs. Only the Lonely was really good. Um but this is this is the one that I, I like the most. Any any comments on this one, John? No thoughts on this one because uh, I admit, you know, before we start talking about it, I, you had to play it for me before I, you know, even slightly remembered it. So, yeah, yeah th- this is probably you know this is out maybe eighty two, eighty three. Okay. So again, this is not one you know because like some songs, like when you're listening to like the eighties stations or eighties playlists that are put together, like on. You know, Spotify or Alexa or Pandora or iTunes or whatever. This isn't one that's really thought about. So, mm-hmm. you you're you know you're just a couple years younger than me. So in '83, you probably weren't listening to as much music that was 
you know, maybe not a top 10 song, more of a top 20. And it, it may not resonate, but yeah, once we played it, you knew it. Oh, yeah. But but it's uh, it's one of those good things. This next one, um, one of my very favorite girls of all time, Suzette Yuska. <laughs> um, she, she, she suggested this one. And this was another one, just sounds like summertime. Richard Marks, yep. Endless Summer Nights. And it, it's, you know, Richard Marks had a really good career. And the, the fun part here is John used to sport the Richard Marks mullet for, you know, for a little while. I was representing with yeah. the mullet. I was. He didn't, he didn't have the mullet past its expiration date. <laughs> yeah. But, but in the day, yeah. he, he, him, and, him and his brother Paul grew the mullet like a champ. Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's uh, the funny Richard Marks. I uh, saw him in concert and I don't remember. Did you think he was looking in a mirror when he well, saw yeah. you? <laughs> I don't remember how going to the concert came about, but I, I think it was me, um, Demita Davis uh-huh. at the time, uh, Tina Dempsey at the time could have been there. Tina's been mentioned on this podcast a couple times. Actually, it's just funny. Okay. Well, her and Glenn, for some reason, it's funny because I, I haven't like seen them in years. But for some reason, like they'll chime and comment on stuff here, and and Glenn will put like the country music stuff on there. Like I remember back when Alabama yeah. was in my cassette collection, okay. stuff like that. So, I, but I, I don't remember how it came about. But I remember going to see Richard Marks in concert at the uh, Vets Memorial. I nice. believe is where it was at. Was it a good show? Uh, as far as I can remember, it was. Yeah, a long time yeah. ago. Long time ago. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that's the next one. Uh, this this other one. I th- I kind of thought might have got more votes. It's I wouldn't say it's an obscure '80s song, but it's it, I mean, it nev- never really charted real high. But like a lot of times when you're hearing '80s playlists, "Summertime Girls" by Y&T tends to get played. And this song, I love this song. Like the video's cheesy. It just there's you know they're on a beach and there's people everywhere. And like to me. This is what an 80s summertime song and video should look like. So, you know what? Why don't we take a pause real quick here? Because you know, we don't typically go into like some of the lower songs. But let's hit, take just a little bit of a listen to this song. So John, after hearing like that song, would you kind of think that kind of pulls that '80s summertime vibe in about as good as anything? Um, sure, it does, and I think what also helps is uh, if anyone's ever seen the video. Yeah, I mean, it's '80s. It's '80s. The, the fun part. It's '80s, and it's on a beach. So. Yes, and so. The fun part to me, and and we stopped and watched the video here, um, you've got the four band members with their definite, the 80s short shorts on, the half shirts and everything. And then you've got the drummer who's kind of, kind of, uh, I don't know, he's got a gut on him. He's he's, he's not like the slim 80s rocker look. That's right. And, and they're standing there and they're all kind of mugging for the camera and the drummer just like doesn't really know what to do. He's like, um, uh... <laughs> So he's just kind of 
cheering and smiling. We've got his sunglasses on. So, so John, do you know what Y&T stands for? Uh, yesterday and today, I believe. <laughs> you got it, man. Yep. John is John's on it today, man. Um, so, yes, yeah, stands for yesterday and today. That song was a hit in the summer of 1985. I remember that getting a lot of play on MTV. And, again, it's one of those songs. You hear it, you think summer, you feel summer, and the video looks like the summer of 85. <laughs> so just take our word for it, or better yet, get on YouTube and look it up yourself. Cheesy video. Very cheesy. So the next one here um, is Kokomo by the Beach Boys. Now, there's a lot of mixed reaction on this song. I like this song. It's got a good sound to it. I remember it from the movie Cocktail. That's right. And um, with, you know, my... My 80s girlfriend, Elizabeth Shue, was in that movie. Um, <laughs> probably the cutest girl of all the 80s movies girls. Her and then Phoebe Cates is probably right after her. But uh, So the Beach Boys, big, huge, huge band in the 60s. Very influential rock and roll Hall of Famers. Uh, by the 80s, you know, they had a song here. They remember them doing California Dreamin'. They did a good job at that, covering the Mamas and Papas song. But Kokomo, um, I like it. Yeah. Put them, put them right back up there. A lot of people who didn't know who they were might have been young. Yeah. Now, you know, they know who the Beach Boys are It's like, now. hey, yeah. Mom and Dad, we have something right. in common. Exactly. We're Beach Boys fans. Yes. So, and there's yeah. this John Stamos guy there in the background. Yeah. Playing. I could never figure out, like, what I, he was doing hanging out with those. I don't know. Because, like, John Stamos was one of the more popular actors of the time. And here he was, like, doing gigs with the Beach Boys, playing yeah. drums for them. Playing which, yeah. which, you know, there's, there's not, like, a lot of, you know, uh, Neil Peart, Alex Van Halen-type drum solos with the Beach Boys. So, you know, like, an average drummer could probably, you know, play Beach Boys tunes pretty easily. But just, like, seeing this young, hip guy with these old codgers, yeah. good stuff, Fantastic. good stuff. So that uh, that was uh, another one. This next one suggested by Jim Lawler, "In a Big Country" by Big Country. So it, it Jim's the one he hosted the hot, the yacht rock show with me last week, and uh, we were talking about this even last week because we were going through this list a little bit. And I'm like, I don't think of that as a summertime song. He goes, Yeah, I remember in the summer of I believe it was '83. The song was out, and I had to look it up, and yeah, it was definitely in the summer. Like I, I just guess I've always just this song's just kind of always been there for me, and I've always liked it. And the album that was on called "The Crossing" was, you know, one that I listened to a bit back in the day. Uh, "Fields of Fire" was a, a song on that uh, uh, on that album that I really liked a lot. Which I actually added "Fields of Fire" onto our "Living in the '80s" playlist this week. Just because you know what that that's got a good '80s feel, but yeah, in a big country, um, I love the about the middle of the song. There's a guitar solo. It sounds like bagpipes, and they are Scottish bands, so maybe that was intentional. So, any thoughts on that song? Um, no, no, no. no All no. right, we'll move on. The next song, "Walking on Sunshine." Mm-hmm. This is definitely. One of the signature summertime songs of the '80s. Absolutely. Um, this you couldn't turn on a radio or turn on MTV in the '80s without hearing this song. Um, it was a 
definitely a, a huge hit. I think it might have been Katrina and the Waves' only hit that I could think of. Yeah, I, but I it was, was a trying huge to one. go back to see if I could remember any one of their songs, and uh, that's the only one I remember. To tell you the truth, <laughs> it was catchy. It was catchy. It was catchy. Um, so uh, that that was a big one. Another another big hit. Uh, the next one on the list here um, from the movie Karate Kid was Cruel Summer by Banana Rama. So this is a very catchy tune. Nice little beat thing going on with it. Uh, I remember Banana Rama initially, they were doing, they were like the background singers uh, for Fun Boy 3, which is a British new wave band. And uh, they are later billed as Fun Boy 3 with Bananarama. And then who eventually got their own career. One of the girls from Bananarama was married to Dave Stewart uh, from the Eurythmics. He was the guy. And he went on and produced for people like ELO and Tom Petty and that whole group. But uh, he really helped get the Bananarama's career off the ground. And they, they had a pretty good uh, they had a pretty good run. Yeah, so John's singing it. Sing it for us, John. <laughs> and so, but uh, yeah, so Cruel Summer, big 80s song. I remember it from Karate Kid, which we're going to have a plug right here. So if you've got YouTube TV, and I know we mentioned, me and Matt mentioned this a few weeks ago, if you have not seen Cobra Kai, you oh. have, you owe it to yourself. To, have you seen this yet, John? I, I know it exists, and I've got to watch it. You got to. It's it, you owe it to yourself. It is a uh, fantastic. So basically, uh, it takes place you know thirty five years after Karate Kid, and Johnny, the one that you know sweep the leg, the one that Daniel beats in the tournament, uh, their lives all these years later, and uh, we find out that Johnny may not be such a bad guy after all. He was a product of his environment. And uh, they do a great job. Lots of flashbacks to that, uh, to that, um, uh, to the movie, to the Karate Kid movies. So you get a lot of those scenes. So that's really, really, you know, Cruel Summer being in there. I think it's during the putt-putt scene. So Bananarama, Cruel Summer. Now uh, we are on to the top five. Number five. So the number five uh, song of the Top summertime song of the 80s uh, is Vacation by the Go-Go's. Go-Go's, huge band in the early to, uh, probably up to about 83, 84. And they kind of went out their separate ways. Belinda Carlisle did her own thing. But she was another one of my girlfriends of the 80s. Cute as could be. But whenever I hear this song, like this whole, you know, the video, they're, they are water skiing. <laughs> the song's called Vacation. It came out in the summer. Yeah. So uh, this was uh, this is one of the ones that got got several votes, enough to be in the top five. And I just I remember this song pretty fondly. Uh, any memories specific about this song, John? Or other than what you mentioned again, it's another one of those songs that I 
the video and the song to get they went together and i can't think of one without thinking of the other that's right i totally agree so yeah that's our number five song and that means we're on to number four number four i got my first real six string bought it at the five and done played it till my fingers bled was a summer of 69 The number four song was Summer of 69 by Brian Adams. Uh, this was on the Reckless album. I remember this song very well. It, even still, this song comes on, and, and I listen to it. Like, I, I don't turn this one off. Nope. I love this song. So the funny, okay, it's confession time. This song was um, referred to, you know, on, on the poll on the Facebook page, if you're just, you know, kind of catching up what we do, I put out there, what are your favorite, you know, summertime 80s songs? And everyone, you could either put the ones I put out there or name it your own. And there's several that people recommended, as you've heard before. But this one was recommended by a guy that's no longer with the group. Now, we don't want to slam this guy. He got enough grief when he left the group by some of the group members. So shame on you guys. You're very cruel. Funny, but cruel. <laughs> so um, here, here's, here's what happened. So the dude puts up this video, this Richard Marks video from 1991. Hazard. It's, you know, apparently this dude loves Richard Marks and can't get enough of him. So I... Take the video down because this is living in the 80s, not living in 1991 or 1971 or anything else. And every once in a while, somebody will put something up from the 70s or the 90s, and I'll take it down, put a little commentary on it. Well, he got fired up about it, like, I'm leaving the group. So that's all you really had to say for some of the guys in the group. Um, I won't mention... Yeah, I will. Heath, Randy, uh, some of you other guys just piled on this dude. Like, you know, there, there was like the Michael Jordan tear video on there. There is just all kinds of piling on this poor dude just for because he put this 1991 song on there. And he like he was genuinely mad and he left the group. But before he did, he left us this song. So, Summer of 69 goes out to you, unnamed dude. So, you guys, listen. I put the Facebook page together. We're over 1,100 people here, going strong. Lots of commentary on there. Lots of people posting memories and videos and uh, memes and things like that. And I sit back and I I just love the fact that we all participate. But because it is an 80s only page, I like to keep it. 80s only like there are other pages you can post to other things to it's not personal just if you put that stuff up there i will likely take it down in fact i will take it down and it's not me being a facebook living in the 80s page nazi because if any of you guys know me i i think you guys will agree i am probably one of the most 
laid back, non-confrontational people there are. But if we start letting you know a few things like that slide, next thing you know, people are going to be putting Zach Morris fan club stuff out there and all of that stuff. And, and that's not what this page is for. It's to share your memories of the 80s. I want you guys that visit the page to feel like it is the 80s and if Facebook existed back then, these are the things we would be talking about and posting. So clearly a song from 1991 is not going to be part of this. And this dude's like, but it's an 80s icon. But that guy left, uh, left and went on to do his own uh, podcast, and I'm sure you know what he called it, living in the... 90s. Yeah, he right? probably did. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or or so or the Richard Marks podcast. Right. <laughs> if you find his podcaster's website, go and put songs on there from the 80s. That'll really that'll set him off. Yes, it will. Put on uh, Endless Summer Nights. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be so conflicted. Right. I love Richard Marks, but that's an 80s song. His head might burst. Uh, so, um, you guys, uh, we we like to have fun here, um, and so you know, I'll leave it at that. But so back to our topic, back to summer of '69. John, do you like this song? Uh, it's one of those songs that every time it comes on the radio, you can't help but keep it on there and you sing to it. You know all the lyrics. Oh yeah, from this song. Yes, you do. Absolutely. And Brian Adams is one of our favorite Canadian imports. <laughs> yes. So yeah. thank you, Brian Adams, and thank you, unnamed dude that recommended it. Number three. Magic by the Cars, our number three song. So I remember this song, like I recommended this one. This song is on one of my top top three or four favorite albums of the 80s, which is Heartbeat City by the Cars. Came out in the spring of 1984, uh, my senior year. And I tell you what, that cassette... I probably wore through about two or three of those. Wow. Uh, this song was on there, and it's definitely a summertime song. The first word is summer. turns me upside down. <laughs> so that's, that, that is, a, you know, to me, a great summertime song. I think the Cars always, just the group, the band, the name, always said summertime to me when you heard. I don't know what it was about them, but I think they just had that vibe about them where... Everything sounded summer. Oh yeah, by just, the cars. It just the quirky keyboards and the guitars. I, yeah. Yep. The the sometimes the lyrics seem like nonsense. It's just fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, that that song. Um. Can't talk. I'll, you know, can't beleaguer the point. But I mean, it's our number three song, and I think justifiably so. It's a great song. It hits all the the marks of a summertime song. So, uh, love it. Love the cars. Always have. And uh, it's just one of those songs. That was number three. Number two.
Summer Nights by Van Halen. This song is my number one summertime song. Voted number two by the rest of y'all. <laughs> but this is the, uh, the number two song. This song, to me, better than any other song, says it's summer. Like, you can have an entire Van Halen playlist of songs that work as summertime songs. Yeah, I thought I think there were some that were left off that list that Van Halen songs that I thought. Oh were, yeah, I mean uh, uh, Panama, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, Drop Dead Legs. Drop Dead Legs. I'll wait works on there. Pretty Woman works on there. Um, you could go uh, shoot. Love Walks In is another yes. one that that. Yep. Um, Pound Cake. <laughs> yes. So man, so many so many good songs. So yeah. so here's the question. There's a lot of there's separate camps here. Are you more of a Sammy Hagar, Van Hagar, Van Halen dude, or are you more of a David Lee Roth guy? Um, is it okay to be split? Yeah, it's very much okay I, to be split. I'm kind I, of split. I really am. Now I only had had the pleasure of seeing Van Halen in concert with David Lee Roth. Okay, fantastic. I never did get to see them with Sammy Hagar, which would I would have loved to see. But I'm split. I. I think they both were, you know, equally just as good. I think they both brought uh, two different styles of music and their voices to Van Halen, and it worked perfect. Oh, um, agreed. And Sammy can still sing, actually, if oh, you've yeah. ever watched. Well, wait, uh, before you go there, yeah. I want to wait in here just a little bit. Okay. Um, so I got to see... Van Halen with David Lee Roth, and I also got to see them with Sammy Hagar. Wow, what year with David Lee Roth? Um, was this? this this was later. This is like oh, okay. after Sammy had left and David rejoined the band. Yeah. That's... So granted, he's a little bit older. His voice isn't quite what it was. Uh, I mean, it was still Van Halen. It was still awesome. You still get, you know, Eddie and and Alex. Uh, Wolfgang. With Eddie's son. Eddie's yeah, son yeah, Wolfgang. Yeah, was Wolfgang playing. was with them then. Yeah. Um, in the um. So I, as a show, um, I would say Sammy. The Sammy show was better, and here's here's why: because Sammy would play these old David Lee Roth songs. He would hmm. sing "You Really Got Me," and he would sing "Panama" and "Jump" and all these other songs. Like if you went to see David Lee Roth, he would never sing any of the Sammy songs. Now a lot of that is because he couldn't sing in that range. Because no. Sammy, I mean, Sammy's great. But I, I heard somebody recently talking about this. They said, you know what? The, the, um, Sammy was the better singer, but Dave had the better songs. Which, you know, it, that, that's more of a, of a uh, you know, it's yeah, up, up to the listener to decide. Yeah, but, and I would disagree. And I love them all. I, yeah, I, I would disagree with that. Yeah. David Lee Roth, I think, was the better entertainer. You know what? Yes and no. On stage, you know. Yeah. Well, he did the jumps and the kicks and stuff, but but you know what? Like Sammy could get up there and tell stories too, and Sammy would talk about you know you know girls that that they'd met on the road and stuff like that. So (laughs) like I could sit and listen to. I mean, honestly, those two concerts are are probably top five of concerts I've ever seen. So, but but I would have to say that that Sammy was better. So. You were getting ready to talk about, um... yeah. Sammy is Sammy is still got. He can still sing, and if, if you've never seen it, um, 
online. It's called Daryl's House. Um, and he has... Um, Talk about Daryl Hall. Daryl Hall. I'm yeah. sorry. for the Daryl Hall um, has musicians come in, singers, and they come in and they're standing in the studio and they will sing and Daryl will sing them with him. He, or he may sing a verse and he had Sammy on there at Daryl's house. And uh, Sammy still sounds like Sammy Hagar at 70 what? Uh, 72. I don't know however old he is. He doesn't look like he's that old. No. He hasn't aged as much as a lot of people have. No. But yeah, if if, again, we'll put a commercial out there for live at Daryl's house. Basically, Daryl Hall has a studio at his house. Yeah. All kinds of musicians come in. I've seen Cheap Trick on there. Yeah. I've seen uh, Kenny Loggins on there. I've seen um, like... uh, shoot, who was it? Um, Smokey Robinson. Smokey on there. Robinson's been on there. Yeah. Um, there are a ton, even a lot of modern artists are on there too. Like he, he is, he does not discriminate against anybody. And you know, Daryl Hall's a great musician, great singer with Hall and Oates and yeah. all that other stuff. But this is a great show, and the show with Sammy was was very, very good. Um, I would put that up there as one of the best shows they've had. But yeah, you can you can watch it online. Um, I think Access TV, if you have that, uh, you can you can watch it on there. And there's a couple other outlets you can find it. Oh, yeah. But look for live at Daryl's house. You will not be disappointed if you're That's a music right. fan. So, but anyhow, back to summertime um, or summer nights. Uh, that is uh, absolutely hands down my favorite summertime song which you know is a nice transition into uh, what the fans voted as their number one song number one Boys of Summer by Don Henley. I love this song. Um, Don Henley, the former Eagle, probably the best solo career out of any of them after the Eagles. Of course, Glenn Frey had almost as good of a career, probably very close, but this is a great song. John, is this a summertime song? Oh, it screams summertime song. Yeah, it screams the end of summer, guys. That's right. The end of summer. Yes. You irresponsibly <laughs> voted like three to one. This is the number one song you guys voted for. Have you listened to the lyrics of this song? After the Boys of Summer have gone. Yes. It was released in November of 1984. Guess what? It was not summer. So this is not a summertime song. Uh, of course, everything we say here is tongue-in-cheek um you know you like what you like and maybe you associate this as a summertime song i don't and i i had a couple other people comment on here uh saying how it was not a summertime song so talk talk about the song a little bit john um fantastic remake of this song if you haven't heard it and i'm sure Uh, you have the atari yes it is very good they did a fantastic job with this song uh, again, I love the song, but you're right. It it uh, it is 
end of summer. Yeah, it's it's so, it's nothing. <laughs> the only summertime thing about it is the word summer. Yeah, it shows up in, in the, the title. title. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Kyle Kesselring says, "Boys of Summer" isn't a summer song. And then Sean <laughs> Gill says, "This is when you know." Who you're dealing with here. For Pete's sake, a summertime song should be a song that came out and or was popular in the summer. So there are other music snobs like us, John. Yes. Uh, this These are our kindred spirits here, our brothers. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it's not it's not the summertime song. I mean, listen to this here. Here, here the beginning of... I want to read the lyrics to you on this song here. Nobody on the road. Nobody on the beach. I feel it in the air. The summer's out of reach. Empty, t- empty lake, empty streets. The sun goes down alone. Uh, I'm driving by your house, though I know you're not home. <laughs> and that's the the first verse of this song. And everything talks about. I remember the summer, but it's gone. So that's funny. <laughs> but you guys, I do appreciate the list, and and it is really good to go through this with you. Just pardon me if I'm. A music snob, and but it is like I said, it is all tongue in cheek. I do love this song. It is a great song. This this song actually I've got on a on a fall playlist that I have, believe it or not. So and the Eagles are my all time favorite band. So what, I, I what can't hate on that. What songs made the honorable got honorable mention? Because uh, there were some that I even well, thought about well, that from uh, Jack and Diane from nineteen eighty two. To okay. me, that's... That is a good summertime that song. That is a summertime yeah, song. Yeah, so we went through everything that had votes. So why don't we talk about songs that remind us of summer okay. that you know maybe didn't get votes or and they may be too obscure or maybe not necessarily even obscure, but things that people don't think about, such as Jack and Diane. Jack and Diane, 1982. Uh, Lover Boys, uh, Everybody's Working for the Weekend. Oh, yeah, that, that's... That one, that you know when it's songs about the weekend, but I have no imagery in my mind of that taking place on a winter no, weekend. That's, I'm that thinking, was my thought boom, exactly. right? Clocking out of work, getting the heck out of Dodge. And you're not going into a blizzard. You're going into going to the beach or something. Yep. So, which is a which reminds me of another Lover Boy song, "Take Me to the Top." With it, the chart did not hit the top 100. It was played on MTV some back in its infancy, but whenever I hear this song, it's on the same album as um, "Working for the Weekend." Um, I think of summertime when I think of those songs and "Loverboy," like loving every minute of it. Like they're another one of those bands like the Cars, like Van Halen, that a lot of their songs you want to crank up with the windows down in the summer, like "Turn Me Loose," like "Queen of the Broken," "Queen of the Broken Hearts," I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was another one. Which had. is which is funny. Again, we're going down a rabbit trail, but uh, Queen of the Broken Hearts. I remember there was a contest on MTV that uh, you know whoever won the you know whoever won the drawing got to appear in a Lover Boy video for this <laughs> song, and there was a girl that's in the video. Um, she's not like the the typical um, you know hot video babe. But, you know, she's just an average girl, and they were, like, working some control panel or something. Like, oh, that's the girl that won the contest. So, anyhow. Wow, I did not know that. I'm a nerd like that, John. I apologize. So, um, another song that really 
brings back summer to me is when you close your eyes by night ranger from the summer of 1984 so again i've graduated high school this song was on um the radio a lot in fact night ranger will put in with the cars and van halen and lover boy as summertime music like sing me away sister christian like if you put on lover boy's greatest or not lover boy you probably could do that too yeah but night ranger's greatest hits you would find a ton like that's just great summertime roll the windows down listening yeah so i think when i leave here today we're at at john's place right now uh when i leave here on the way home i may turn on um night ranger's greatest hits and it's only five minutes from home so i'll get about a song and a half in and it'll be done but that that's one that reminds me of uh of uh of the summer um another one uh, again these these are personal memories uh so they may not necessarily resonate with you like that's a summertime song well this song was out in the summer of 1983 is baby jane by rod stewart thinking what's that just look it up it's a great song but to me when i hear that song i automatically go back to the summer of 1983 remember the girl i was dating back then i remember uh where i was working what i was doing like these songs are priceless and they bring you back that way Uh, which is which coincides perfectly with our living in the 80s page because it's all about bringing back those memories um john well, I'm talking a lot. That's all right. Throw a couple I, songs I, at I'm us. Just, I, that's what I'm trying to do is I'm going through my brain and trying to figure out uh, songs from the 80s that is, just scream summer. And Come on, John. What about your favorite summertime song of all time? He's rolling his eyes like, come on, man. you got to do this to me. Uh, not Don Johnson. <laughs> yes, Don Johnson. Don Johnson's Heartbeat. Heartbeat by Don no, Johnson. Don't believe a word John, of that. John, you know what? Here we go. Don Johnson was a, was a good TV actor. He's on Miami mm-hmm. Vice. Um, you know, he was pretty big in the 80s, and he made an album. Yes, he did. And you guys may or may not remember it, but John sure does. I, I do. <laughs> Listen, I, I do I remember Don Johnson, and I do remember the song Heartbeat. And uh, it was horrible. Oh, John... Okay. It was horrible. You listen to it now, it was absolutely horrible. It was not good, no. It's no. It, it sounds like a song from the... Um, uh, it would be in an 80s movie, like Getting Ready for the Big Fight or, or, the, or the Big Race. The or, studio is what made that song even sound... Listenable? Listenable. <laughs> and, and I will defend John. He, he wasn't necessarily a Don Johnson fan, but he did. Uh, he did. I mean, John. John is not a bad artist, and I remember he. Oh, that's right. He did, a, he did a cover. mural on his bedroom wall, which the 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 album cover is better than the album. Yes, it was. The album cover is kind of cool looking. Yeah. Guy standing against the corner, and John drew this on his wall. That's right. So whenever I hear that song now, it is. Don't judge me. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. I am forever linking John to Don Johnson's music whenever I hear it. So it's not John's fault. It's huh. just. The way my brain rolls. Come on, it was the 80s. <laughs> uh, in 1980, so this would be going back to the summer before my freshman year, um, Emotional Rescue by the Rolling Stones okay. was a big hit back then. And it was a different sound for them. But uh, again, I hear that song. It's like it takes me back. Uh, uh, 
my friend Jim Fournier, uh, we would, you know, hang out together all summer long and, and whatever. And, uh, and I remember this song being on the radio quite a bit. I don't think he liked it as much as I did, but I liked it. So there it was. Any others? Um, not that I can think of, but I'm sure you'll think of one, and then oh, I got a, I got a list here. <laughs> Tell me what you got. So I've got "State of Shock" by the Jacksons and Mick Jagger. Oh, now this isn't one I necessarily liked a lot, but it was uh, one of those mile markers of the '80s. So you had the biggest star on the planet in Michael Jackson, and then one of the biggest rock stars of all time with Mick Jagger. And, well, you had the Jacksons there singing background, and I think Tito Jackson played guitar, which he's not a bad guitar player. But just probably when I hear this song now, I flash back to the summer of 1985. And that one, you know, again, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the song, but an appreciation for the event that it was putting these two guys together. Yeah. Um, which also reminds me, the summer of 1985, uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Oh, now you're, now you're talking to me, man. <laughs> We're speaking the same language now. So I remember this video, uh, Kurt Smith driving around in the convertible yep. and just um, across a desert. And it just summer of 85 brings it all back. Yes, it does. And um, the other guy from Tears for Fears. Roland Orzabal. Your twin. My twin, yes. yes. Yeah, so if you guys have never seen pictures of me from the 80s, um, I, I will admit I kind of did resemble him a little bit. We had the same mullet. He did. And um, we had uh, had that in common for sure. And so I would have people back then tell me I look like him. And um <laughs> You know, I've, I got these these round. I got this round face, so it kind of, I guess it does resemble him somewhat. But yeah, so that that that's one I remember. Uh, another one was um, "Dancing in the Streets" by Mick Jagger and David, Jagger Bowie. And David Bowie. It's a huge summertime hit uh, in the summer of '85. Uh, they they debuted that at Live Aid. Um, they showed that yeah. um, worldwide, and. You know, that was, again, two humongous icons uh, getting together, collaborating. And that, which also reminds me of another song. And I don't remember if it was a summertime song or not, but I remember hearing it. A fun story. My church youth group went to Washington, D.C. one summer. And while we were there, we were in a restaurant, a pizza place. I remember the pizza being very good. Don't remember the place. Don't remember nothing about it. But me and my friends David Nard are sitting there. It's the summer of 1982 and Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie um, was playing on the jukebox and it got stuck. So that song was on repeat for about 45 minutes. And you couldn't, if you put more money in, it, it wouldn't matter. play. That song would continue to play. So that song reminds me of the summer of 82. It could have been out in the winter. I don't remember. I remember it being a song and being you know, a huge deal, but I don't remember when it was out except for at that moment. It was permanently stuck in my brain. Wow. What about um, your thoughts on uh, is it level 42? 
Oh yeah, something about you. Something about you, and they as lessons in love. Lessons in love, yeah. So those are both great songs. I I like those. Those, those I, to me. Did, did, did you well. didn't you have that level forty two cassette? I did. I thought you did. It yes, was played in your car a lot, which I didn't object. I liked it. No. So. I still listen to love. I still listen to that, that CD. Do you really? Oh yeah. Nice. Um, when doves cry by Prince. That is a summertime song for me. Again, yeah. going back to the summer of 1984, the Purple Rain movie comes out. This song was played. There's no, there's no bass guitar in this, um, in this song at all. So it's all just oh, that, that, that drum machine. Trivia from the song. There's no, yeah, no bass guitar, and it hit the. Hit, I think it hit number one. There's some kind of significant thing about it as far as like the only number one song to never have a bass or something I don't remember what it was Interesting. I'm sure that's not the actual statistic but I remember back then that being a, a thing so um, Stuck With You by Huey Lewis and the News from the summer of 86 <laughs> see that, yeah uh, that's another band yes that song but that's another band that uh, a lot of their songs screamed summer, summer. oh yeah yeah if this is uh, it Hip to be square. Hip to be square. I want a new drug. Heart of rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. That's right. You could go on and on. If you put in Huey Lewis's greatest hits and and just drove around, you would you would hear and feel summer. So that is a uh, that, that's another one of those great summertime tunes. Um, here I go again by White Snake. 1987, and Amy's over here flipping her hair like Tawny Katane right now. So she's going to go up across John's truck here in a minute and start right. doing the splits and she's... the cartwheels and stuff. So I think Tawny Katane was crazy, though. She she was yes, bat toilet crazy. Yes. <laughs> she she's nuts. Amy but then nuts. again, David Coverdale was a little right. crazy too. So exactly. those two kind of yeah, those two are kind of meant meant to be i remember after her and david coverdale divorced um she was dating a pitcher yes for the california angels that's true and i can't remember where what park it was but you know during in baseball games when batters will come up or when pitchers will come out they'll like they can play their own theme music when he came out they played this song Right. And apparently he got so mad, he turned around and looked up at the PA people and flipped them off, which <laughs> the fans went nuts. So I'm guessing it's probably New York or someplace. <laughs> um, so the fans went nuts, and I think he got fined for doing that. Yeah. But I, they got in his head big time. Like, that that, that's awesome. You know, it's your fault for dating crazy. Yeah. So. But, yeah, it's <laughs> a good song. Uh, another one, a couple more left here. Nothing But a Good Time by Poison. That is a summertime song. Like, you can play... I remember when this song was out, um, my my ex-wife Kim and and Tina Rutherford, uh, they were best friends growing up, and we would go out on these long road trips. And just this song, or this whole cassette, would be playing constantly, like over and over. Like, I would get crapped on in my own car for taking poison out so (laughs) you were not a big uh 80s hair band uh yeah i was i mean in in the moment i mean i guess it's when 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 kim and i were dating is like right when that wave started to hit and i was not a big fan but being force-fed a lot of it 
I come to know a little bit more of it, got an appreciation of it, and became kind of a fan of that kind of music. So yeah, that's another one of those uh, uh, music genres that later on I appreciated more than I did in the time it was going on. I don't know why, because I'll, I'll still go back and listen to these hairband uh, groups today. Oh, me too. I've got a whole, of course, I got a playlist of eighties hairbands. But I was listening to a um, a podcast that I like to listen to a lot. Uh, it's called Totally 80s, and um, they did a whole uh, episode on hair bands. And one of the things they brought up was very interesting, was how that that genre was very brief but very powerful. Yeah. Like a two to three year period where all of these bands came out of nowhere and just had these great careers, including bands like Poison and Rat and Motley Crue and some of those, Cinderella, Bon Jovi, which, you know, Bon Jovi's kind of endured, Motley Crue's kind of endured, but a lot of them, like the Bullet Boys, like, good music, but nobody remembers them, but during that time period, man, people couldn't get enough of that stuff. You can still find some of these hair bands, in fact, I saw uh, Great White Uh at the Reynoldsburg Tomato Festival. No kidding. Yes. So that's funny. Yes. Like they're playing sold out arenas. Past, past and, summer. <laughs> nice. They, they were there and a lot of people came out to see them and they were not bad. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, a few years ago, probably you're probably talking maybe 15 years ago now, so it probably would have been like 2005, 2004, 2005. Um, we were in Myrtle Beach and I told this story probably a few weeks ago. And uh, uh, my brother-in-law, Steve, had got, uh, he had connections down there. So we got to go to the House of Blues, and it was Whitesnake. Um, uh, shoot. Mm. Warrant, uh-huh. Slaughter, and Kip Winger. Uh, well, it was, you know, the band Winger. You're like, yeah. oh, those guys suck. But you know what? It's funny because his Kip Winger's guitar player uh, came down with the flu and couldn't play, so he gave the rest of the band the night off. So he was up there with an acoustic guitar. Dude could play guitar, yeah, and yeah. and you know you're really exposed in that kind of environment as a singer when you've got no instruments, you've got no studio help, you got nothing to help you. The guy could sing. Wow. He's telling stories and singing and talking about. You know how uncomfortable he was with the pinup boy kind of image that they had at the time, but uh, he was uh, he was uh, you know he's like you know it made me money, <laughs> so yeah. there's that. Uh, is it got some, uh, my songs out there and you guys are obviously you know here and you're listening. So you could have come you know later when White Snake came out, but you came here. That's right. <laughs> and uh, he did a great job, and I was—he actually did better than anybody else that night, and I was not expecting it. Wow. And uh, so, but you know, it was—it was good. That that whole era was was some good stuff. And so the last song I've got here, which is one of my all-time favorite summertime songs, and it, it's funny—if you're anything like me, you end up with these waves of time, like you'll listen to certain types of music. Like, like you'll hear a song or a band. You're like, you know, I want to hear an album or two of theirs. So I, about uh, two or three weeks ago, I was listening to Power Station and Some Like It Hot. And I remember when it came out, I loved the song. 
but I forgot how much I loved it until I started putting that album on. And the whole album's really good, but some like it hot. I mean, if you got some sweet headphones, like there are like little guitar noises and things going on in your brain, like like holy cow, like it is very well done. So Nile Rogers um, from Chic actually produced that album and did a lot of stuff with it. Wow. Recorded at the Power Station Studio in New York, and uh, which is world famous. And I tell you what, they had a great sound. So, and so that's that's what I have. So, <laughs> any any other thoughts on summertime songs, John? Um, I think we've no, hit I it pretty good. I, I think so. I think after we're done here, we'll go. Oh. Oh yeah, there's this other song. Yeah, but um, John, thank you so much for coming, uh, for being part of this, and it was really a lot of fun for me. And hopefully, you guys will go out, you'll you know, turn, roll your windows down, crank up some '80s tunes, and yep. and just blast them. And and don't put Boys of Summer on; you're gonna look like a nerd. You wait till the fall to do that. That's you need great. to put on some Y and T. You put on some power station, some Van Halen, right. and let her rip. So, <laughs> and, and don't play, you know, uh, Richard Mark songs from any of the '90s. No, no um, '90s Richard Marks. No. You're you're not allowed. It's nope. it's forbidden. <laughs> so, guys, thank you again. Uh, we will see you next week, and Jason Peitzmeyer will be joining me, and we're going to be talking about your favorite Weird Al songs. I know that you're excited about that one. So, guys, thank you again. Uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you. Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here?